The following sermon is by Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. Well, thank you, Harold and worship leaders. Take your Bible in hand and come with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In a moment, we'll be studying together from that powerful passage of Scripture. You'll remember last week, we began a new sermon series, uh, a sermon series addressing the, the concept of stewardship. And we began last week by observing the fact that everything belongs to God. Uh, whatever you have that you count as a cherished possession, it came into your life by the grace of our dear Lord. Your life your spouse, your children, the profession in which you excel, the forgiveness of your sin, the gift of faith that allows you to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of those wonderful uh, persons and expressions of God's grace in our life, they all come to us from God. Today we're going to be looking at the gift of gifts. We're going to see today um, that God has given to each of us spiritual gifts that we're to use in service to our King, and we must be good stewards of those spiritual gifts. Next Sunday morning, uh, we're going to continue our study and look at the gift of opportunity, and then on the 27th of October, the gift of kingdom financing. Now, I will also remind you, though you don't see it on the slide in front of you, that November the 24th is a very important day in the life of our church. It's going to be Baptism Sunday. We want to give each of you the opportunity to reflect on your relationship with Christ, to reflect on your observance of the ordinance of baptism. And we want to make sure that each of you, our adults, our teenagers, our children, have a personal relationship with Christ and have followed that personal relationship with Jesus in scriptural baptism. And so if you've been wanting to turn to Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have a teenager or a child in your home that have been asking questions about how to, how to come to Christ, how to be saved, I hope you'll give the staff a call. Call either of the Brother Marks, call myself. We would love to make an appointment to sit down to answer questions, to pray with you, to lovingly share with you that life-transforming message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then on the 24th, we'll come together as a church family to celebrate the ordinance of baptism together. 1 Corinthians Chapter 12 is our text this morning. I'll invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, and you'll follow along reading silently as I read aloud, beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another 
the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Father, would you help us today to understand this concept of spiritual gifts? Father, would you bring us to the point today where we understand in our hearts that you have given each of us a spiritual gift? And from this day forward, Father, may you find us faithful stewards of the spiritual gift or gifts you've placed within us. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're being seated, I would say to you, as I have said over and over as your interim pastor, we must always study Scripture within context. And those who gather on Wednesday evening as we've been walking through the book of James, you've heard me make that statement Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. We can never study a passage of Scripture in isolation. If we simply pick a passage of Scripture out of the overall context of the Bible and study it, we lose some of the powerful meaning of the passage. It is always best to study a passage within the overall context of Scripture. And so this morning, as we begin our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the subject of spiritual gifts, we need to ask ourselves, what is the context? What is the context in which uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, begins now in verse 12 to methodically help us to understand this concept of spiritual gifts? Well, let's come to chapter 12, verse 1, and see if we can discern the context. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, the very first thing I want you to see is that word brethren. It reminds us that Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ who gather for worship in the city of Corinth. He is not writing to those that are outside of the church. He's not writing to people who do not know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. He's writing to people who have come to the place where they have bent the knee and submitted their will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and they gather on a periodic basis in the city of Corinth to worship. Come back to verse 1. He's writing to the church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. When Paul writes that phrase, it connects back to chapter 11, ladies and gentlemen. I need you to understand that this morning. Look with me. Chapter 11, beginning verse 17. Chapter 11, verse 17. But in giving this instruction, Paul writes to the church, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. To understand chapter 12, Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts, we need to understand that Paul gives us chapter 12 because he's addressing a problem that he's noted in chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 17 and 18, he speaks of divisions within the church. 
The word division that's used there is a word that means schisms. It can be interpreted as warring factions. Can you imagine that? In the church at Corinth, there were schisms. There were warring factions. Within the body of Christ, gathered in that city, there were people on one side of certain issues and people on the other side of the same issue. And those two groups within the body of Christ are at war with one another. And sadly, ladies and gentlemen, not much has changed since the first century. Amen? Sometimes even the body of Christ can become so at odds with one another that it seems that the Hatfields and the McCoys have come to church. And so to understand what Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 12, we need to understand he's addressing division, strife, war within the church. And there are two reasons that the church at Corinth is at war with one another. The first is in the observance of the Lord's Supper. And if you look in your copy of God's Word, you see that Paul takes the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and he begins to help them understand this concept of the Lord's Supper, to remove the Lord's Supper as being an object of conflict within the church. The second issue that is causing a problem within the church at Corinth is the issue of spiritual gifts. And so he comes to chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, now, now that we've tucked away the conflict surrounding the Lord's Supper, it's time for me to address the second problem within the church, and that is your understanding and your practice of spiritual gifts. And so we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and what we really learn is Paul is about to teach about spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts are a problem for the church at Corinth. Now, I want you to see something as I chase a quick rabbit, and then we'll come back to spiritual gifts. Come with me, chapter 11, verse 18 again. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. Now, most often, when we hear there is conflict in the church, division in the church, we automatically put that in the bad category. Amen? Well, look what Paul says in verse 19. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. The word approved there is a word that means to test the purity of metal. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying sometimes when there is division in the church, it can be a good thing. Because in the midst of that division, we see those who have been approved in the faith. We see those who address the conflict. We see those who address the various sides of the same issue. And we see some who act according to the teachings of Christ. Their demeanor is that of Christ. Their love is that of Christ. Their forgiveness is that of Christ. Their grace is that of Christ. They may see an issue in an opposite direction from the opposing group, but they treat the opposing group as Christ would treat them. You see what Paul is saying? Paul is saying sometimes, sometimes conflict in the church can help us really understand who loves and follows and lives like Jesus. Because those, regardless of the side of the issue, who do not love like Christ and forgive like Christ and conduct themselves like Christ, they reveal 
they fail the test, the test of discipleship and the test of what it means to follow Jesus. Now we come back to spiritual gifts, the context, the context of spiritual gifts. There's a problem in the church at Corinth. Paul wants to address that problem. And so we ask the question in the text today, what are spiritual gifts? What are these spiritual gifts that Paul wants to make sure the church at Corinth understands to remove this problem from the life of the church? Look with me, chapter 12, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. The word gifts that's used in verse 4, ladies and gentlemen, is used 17 times in the New Testament. 16 times that it's used, it always refers to God as the giver. This is not a gift given to us by the apostles or the prophets. It's not a gift given to us uh, by the pastor or by the word of God. This is a gift given to us by God himself. And so as we think about spiritual gifts this morning, we need to understand these gifts that we explore and discuss today are gifts from God himself. The second thing I want you to know about this word gifts, it also always refers to gifts of grace. These spiritual gifts are ways that God gives us a measure of his grace. It is through his grace that he gives us spiritual gifts. And so today, as we study spiritual gifts, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to walk away with at this point in the message. The spiritual gift or gifts that you have have been given to you by God as a sign and testimony of his grace in your life. These are not gifts that we read a book and therefore the book teaches us how to perform certain spiritual tasks. These are not uh, spiritual gifts that we learn because we go to a website and the website gives us four easy steps to receive a measure of God's grace. These are gifts given to us by God. Now to answer the question, what are spiritual gifts? I want you to see the two most comprehensive lists in the New Testament that list out for us spiritual gifts. One we read a moment ago. Read it with me again. Chapter 12, beginning with verse 8. Listen to these gifts that are listed. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Gift after gift after gift being listed. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Come with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is the second very comprehensive list of gifts that are noted in Scripture. Romans chapter 12, we begin with verse 6. Paul again is writing to the church at Rome. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, 
in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so in both of Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians and Romans, he lists for us the most comprehensive list of spiritual gifts that we find in Scripture. But our question is not what are the list of spiritual gifts. Our question is what are spiritual gifts? John MacArthur is one of the leading conservative theologians in America today. Dr. MacArthur gives us this definition of spiritual gifts. It's a definition that I think certainly applies to the passage of Scripture that we study this morning. Here's what Dr. MacArthur says. Don't miss this. Dr. MacArthur says spiritual gifts are divine enablements for every believer to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit and in so doing, glorify God. Would you let that sink in for a moment? He says divine enablements for every believer, not some, not most, every believer to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit and in so doing, glorify God. Now, what I invite you to do today is to come back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's take Dr. MacArthur's definition of spiritual gifts and let's lay it across Scripture and let's see if Scripture can give us an affirmation of what Dr. MacArthur has written. Come back with me. Let's look at this concept that spiritual gifts are divine enablements. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Divine enablements. How many times in this passage, over and over, is Paul underscoring for us that spiritual gifts within our lives are placed there by the Spirit of God? It is a gift, a divine enablement, an example and a sample of God's grace being placed in our lives. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what I want you to understand at this point in the message. Spiritual gifts are given to us by the Spirit of God. Now let's see what else Dr. MacArthur has to say and how it applies to this text. He also says that divine enablements for every believer... This morning, if you're here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand as a testimony of your faith in Christ this morning? Thank you. So if your hand is up today, I need you to plug in and listen carefully because what we're about to see in Scripture applies 
to you. Right now, in answering the question, what are spiritual gifts, we just know they're divine enablements. They are placed in someone's life by the grace of God. What I want to point out now is they're placed in the life of every believer. Come back and look with me at the text. Look with me, verse 7. I want you to see that they are inclusively placed in the life of a believer. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, back in chapter 12, verse 1, who is Paul writing to? He's writing to believers. He's writing to the church. He uses the word brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not writing to the world outside of the church. He's writing to those who are gathered in the body of Christ in Corinth. And to the body of Christ in Corinth, he says, but to each one, not to some, not to the spiritually mature, not to those who are leaders of the congregation, but to each one. Not to most, not to the vast majority, but to each one, Paul writes. So if you're here this morning, ladies and gentlemen, and your testimony is that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I have submitted my life to Christ, I follow him the best that I can with my life, I want you to know Scripture teaches you have been given a divine enablement, a spiritual gift by the Father. It is inclusive each one. But let's read on. Verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We'll come back and look at that phrase in just a moment. Look with me, verse 11. I want you to see they're given individually. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, what's the word, church? Individually. And what does that mean? We've all been given these divine enablements, this spiritual gifting, if you will. We've been given that spiritual gift by the Father. And now he says the Spirit gives it individually. And what he's teaching, ladies and gentlemen, is that the Spirit of God doesn't simply open up the great uh, grace cupboard of heaven and sprinkle on a congregation indiscriminately spiritual gifts. But he gives to each of us a spiritual gift. He gives it to us individually. He looks at Mark's life and he places in Mark's life individually spiritual gifts for him to use. He looks in Charlene's life and he places in Charlene's life individually and he works in your life exactly the same way. Our spiritual gift does not come to us by happenstance. Our spiritual gift does not come to us in wholesale fashion. It is an individual gift given to us by God. Now, I want you to see one other thing about this concept of spiritual gifts being given to each believer. Come back with me, verse 11, one more time. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as He wills, capital H, just as God wills. Here's what I want you to hear me say. Spiritual gifts are given to you with intentionality. It's not just inclusive, everyone. It's not just individually. God places in each individual life spiritual gifts, but he does it, ladies and gentlemen, with intentionality. 
That means He looks into your life, He looks into my life, and He places within us with intentionality spiritual gifts. Let me see if I can relate it this way. When I was a child, I remember my dad going car shopping. I remember that because in those days, the family only owned one car. And it was a big event to get a new car. I mean, to get a new car, the family had to sacrifice and save financially. And, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It, it was not the day where every member of the family who was over 16 had an automobile to drive. The family only had one car. Well, the old clunker we had been driving was on its last leg, and Dad decided to go and get a new car. So the entire family, Mom and Dad and three sons, went to the car lot. Now, in those days, there were a certain number of cars on the lot, and, and in those days, families like ours drove what? Station wagons. That's right. If I had a penny for every mile that I sat in the back of a station wagon looking out the back window, I'd be a rich man. So you'd go to the car lot, and the car lot would have half a dozen station wagons on the lot. And that was your selection. It wasn't which color would you like. It, it wasn't what color interior do you want. You just walked up, and you had half a dozen to choose from, and you would decide, I'll take that one. That's not how you buy cars today, is it? Today, you go to buy a car. Charlene, I've been toying with the idea of buying a car. Here's what you do if you buy a car today. You go to the Internet. And you Google the model of car you're looking for and, and the website comes up and, and you start with the exterior and you get a chance to pick out what color exterior you would like. What color headlights you would like. What kind of taillights really look the best to you. And then you go to the interior of the car and you get to choose whether you want cloth or leather. If you want leather, you can have tan or black. There, there's a selection. And so you're clicking your preference as you walk through this car, then you get to choose what kind of wheels you want on the car and what kind of technology package you want in the car and all of the different details. And when you get through marking all those little preferences, in just a few minutes, they'll tell you there's one 45 miles away in Garner at this dealership. You can go buy it just the way you want it. Customized. That's what Paul's saying in this passage of Scripture. Each follower of Jesus has a divine enablement that's been customized just for you. God didn't simply walk up to a bag of half a dozen spiritual gifts and scatter them out indiscriminately among his children. God looks into your life. He looks into my life. He looks into our heart. He looks into our passion. He, he looks into our personality. And he individually, personally, customizes a spiritual gift or gifts just for you. Ladies and gentlemen, that ought to say one thing to you. You're pretty special in the eyes of God. Amen? Tur turn to your neighbor and say, I'm special in the eyes of God. You are because God has looked into your life and said, for Jim, for Bob, for Susan, for Mark, for Deborah, for Robin, I have a special gift or gifts just for you. So MacArthur tells us that 
Spiritual gifts are divine enablements for every believer. We see that in Scripture. Now, you may be saying this morning, well, Chuck, how can I know my spiritual gifts? Well, let me give you just some suggestions. First of all, next slide, guys. First of all, you can go, next slide, please. Thank you. You can go to lifeway.com, that old computer again. You can go to lifeway.com, which is the uh, publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. You can Google on their search engine, spiritual gifts assessment tool. And when you do that, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a computerized spiritual gift inventory that's free of charge that you can bring up and you can answer those questions and it'll help you to begin to identify your spiritual gifts. But let me give you some pastoral advice. You see two words on the screen, passion and production. If you wonder what your spiritual gifts are, just stop and ask yourself when it comes to the kingdom of God, what's my passion? What's my passion? Is my passion communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ so that every boy and girl on my street and at my workplace can come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Is that your passion? Is your passion teaching God's word every Sunday morning, sitting down with your Sunday school class after you've studied all week long and simply revealing the truths and the nuggets of truth in God's word? Is that your passion? Is your passion behind the scenes helping other people, administrating, coming alongside, serving? What's your passion? You see, God places spiritual gifts within us according to the passions that are in our heart. And then think about the word production. What is it in your life in a spiritual perspective that's very productive for the kingdom of God? When you teach the Word on Sunday morning, do you see your students growing in their relationship with Christ, growing in their understanding of what it means to be a New Testament disciple? Or are they growing? Are you producing, through the power of the Spirit, spiritual growth in your class? When you share the gospel with your neighbors at work and when you share the gospel with your neighbors at home, do you see them coming to faith in Christ? Look for your passion and look for that. It seems that God is blessing for kingdom production. And where those two things meet, you may well be on the trail of your spiritual giftedness. How do I know my spiritual gifts? Right now, MacArthur has said spiritual gifts are divine enablements given to every believer. But why does God give us spiritual gifts? That's the last half of his definition. Why does God give us spiritual gifts? I do not want you to miss this portion of the message. Come with me, verse 5 and verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. Why does God give you spiritual gifts? Why has he placed within you a spiritual gift or gifts with intentionality? Verse 5. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Don't miss this next phrase. For the common good. Spiritual gifts are placed within you for the common good. Why has God given you a divine enablement? It's for the common good. The phrase common good literally means to be profitable for all. Come with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let me see if I can make this point a little more clearly. 1 Peter chapter 4. Why has God given you your spiritual gifts? 1 Peter chapter 4. 
Look with me, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, he's talking about your spiritual gift, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Peter says, as each one has been given a special gift, your spiritual gift, you're to employ that spiritual gift in serving one another. Here's what both Paul and Peter are saying about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to you. Spiritual gifts are given to me for the common good so that we can use them to serve the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are never given to us to boost, to edify us, to place us in a special category in Christendom. Spiritual gifts are given to us that we might employ them, that we might employ them into the common good and serve one another using our spiritual gifts. Here's as plainly as I know how to say it, ladies and gentlemen. You were not saved to sit. You were saved to serve. You were not saved to simply come to worship on Sunday morning and sit for an hour and 15 minutes and listen to the beautiful music and listen to the teaching of the word and to return home only to come back seven days later and sit again. You've been given spiritual gifts for the common good. <coughs> so that you can employ them into the body of Christ, and through employing them in the body of Christ, you serve the body of Christ. You see, one of the major problems in the church today is a consumer mentality instead of a servant mentality. A consumer mentality says the church exists to meet my spiritual needs. And so the music and the preaching and the programs of the church should be designed so that I benefit, so that my marriage is better and my parenting is better and I simply walk through life better because of the life of the church. Now, yes, your marriage should be better because you're active in the life of the church. Yes, your parenting should be better because you're active in the life of the church. But the purpose for spiritual gifts is for you to use those spiritual gifts for the common good. It's an act of service. Why did Jesus give you the spiritual gift of teaching? So that you can take that spiritual gift and employ it into your Sunday school class on Sunday morning and help those men and women grow to be more like Jesus. Why does God give you the spiritual gift of helps? So that you can come alongside and help brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need and in so doing, invest in their life. Why does God give you the spiritual gift of administration so you can take that gift employed in the body of Christ and help lead all of the administrative affairs of a congregation? So here's what we've learned so far, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about stewardship this morning. What are spiritual gifts? They're divine enablements, divine gifts of grace given to each of us so that we can take that divine gift of grace and use it to serve the body of Christ. And if we're not using our spiritual gift to serve the body of Christ, we are not being good stewards of our spiritual gifts. Now come back to the text. There's one last thing I want you to see this morning. Why does God give us spiritual gifts? Come with me. 1 Peter chapter 4. Just stay right there. 
1 Peter chapter 4. I want you to see something one more time from that passage of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. MacArthur says, divine enablements for every believer to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the last phrase, and in so doing, glorify God. Let's see if that's scriptural. Come with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards for the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So here's the capstone in our study of spiritual gifts. They're divine enablements given to every believer so that you can employ them in the body of Christ for the common good. And when you use your spiritual gift in the body of Christ for the common good, that brings glory to God. And ladies and gentlemen, that is our ultimate purpose for existence. Amen? Our ultimate reason for living, our ultimate reason for being saved, our ultimate reason for being a child of the King is to bring glory to the Father. And Paul and Peter come together in the New Testament this morning to say, if you're here today and you know Jesus, you have at least one spiritual gift given to you, custom made by the Father, so that you can take that spiritual gift and invest it in the lives of others in the church. And when you do that, you glorify God. Now, can I close by flipping that record over for just a moment? What happens when you take that spiritual gift that God has placed within you and you do not employ it in service in the body of Christ? You're too busy. You have too many life commitments. This is the wrong life stage. Professionally, you've, you've got too many demands upon your life. The children are at such an age that we simply can't invest in the local church. Whatever your reason may be, when you do not employ your spiritual gift in service in the body of Christ, the flip side of the record is you do not glorify the Father. Your spiritual gift was never intended to be hoarded. It was intended to be employed into the body of Christ. You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Register, interim pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.